uh, sorry, it's not the big one. It's not 350 last week. It's the 351. Oh, good engine, though. Yeah, there we go. It's episode 351, No Laugh Track Podcast. This is Justin Severson. I'm the host. We're at Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis. My guest, you just briefly heard his voice there. It's David Huntsberger. He is back. It's been two years, maybe, since we've talked here on yeah. stage. I think I've done this two or three times. I think this is four. Yeah, oh, I think wow. three in the books. This is four. I looked back briefly. I think we did one, just the two of us. Uh-huh. Then there was one with Tommy Ryman. Oh, yeah. Remember that? And maybe another one with Cy? The one, the one with Cy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that three. was uh, the week that uh, we were over. We all went to a city council meeting. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Oh, of course I do. Yeah. I tell people about that sometimes because, one, I didn't dress appropriately. I just wore a T-shirt. And then I didn't realize it was going to be filmed in any way. And I don't think that impacted me. It was I did not realize how much my fear of speaking in public, which sounds crazy as a comedian. Really? Would present. And I've talked to so many comedians that have that same thing of like whether they are parents and like, oh, my God, when I have to stand up at sort of a, you know, um, not a committee thing, but sort of where everyone gets together and, and, you know, the kids are there and you have to talk in front of kind of the other parents. Like a a PTA, parent-teacher thing or something? Yeah, I don't think a lot of people belong to the PTA, but that sort of same scenario. Mm -hmm. Any place where you have to get up where it's the parameters are not established in the same way that a comedy club is. Like you, You come where you know the lights are on you and the amplification and, like, you have your prepared things or you can, in the moment, riff. When those are taken away and it's a city council meeting where you shouldn't be riffing... And you kind of know what you want to say, but you've never done it before. Uh-huh. And it should seem like the easiest thing ever. Like, you've done stand-up. It's no big deal. But just looking up and seeing a bunch of faces who are either disinterested or taking notes or scowling at me. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I was just like, oh, anyway, Acme's great. I hope you keep me coming back. <laughs> I, just, I felt so panicked by that. But And then afterward, of course, I had all these like, oh, what I should have done. Right. And I think that uh, that's just such a frustrating feeling. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I bring that up a lot because that and that was such a frustrating thing to learn all the dynamics of the city council and all that. Oh yeah, that was weird. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad this place is still here. Yeah, hey, Acme's still here. Uh, you you can still find a parking spot. You may have you have to work a little harder sometimes to get a parking spot outside the but club it's here. Worth it. But it is 100 percent worth it. Plus. Freaking! If come here and drink, take an Uber. They don't even need a parking spot. Yeah. All right, come here, spend a bunch of money on booze. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this, ah, it feels good to be in this room. I love it. Have you been to a city council meeting since? <laughs> no, but some <laughs> friends of mine went in L.A. and were telling me, I forget, they were in like... Was there a comedy club worried about parking there? <laughs> <laughs> they had like a neighbor or someone had to do with dogs, I think, or some some ordinance that was trying to be put in for someone. I, I don't know the, the specifics, but yeah, some friends of mine went and then... Did you say dress appropriately? Yeah, I, I was trying to give him some pointers, and my buddy went with notes, and then he said he did, and he did kind of riff because someone made some dumb thing of like, well, if we allow this, then we're likely going to have drownings caused by dogs off the leash, and something to that effect. And yeah. then my friend, when he got up to speak, goes, I, as someone who's never experienced a drowning via dogs off leash, I just want to say, you know, something yeah, yeah, yeah. where he referenced very like, cheeky. Mm-hmm. I'll put I this bet. in my words to make yeah. you sound dumb. Just to put, yeah, put back you how ridiculous what you said is. Right. <laughs> I will say uh, one last thing I want to say about when we all went to the city council thing uh, to talk about Acme and the parking and the building that's built across the street now is I showed up with my daughters. And they were, they thought it was so cool that they, because occasionally the camera was on them standing in the back <laughs> of that room. They thought that was super cool. Uh, actually, one what last thing is I can't believe 
city council or any of that stuff is hasn't been uh part of my life won't be that's not my calling the fact that those people have to sit there and listen to arguments about whether a building can have two more inches closer yeah. to a boulevard and shit like that isn't that weird to hear dear god yeah stop just just call, cut it down the middle. Oh, my <laughs> God. I was so thankful that it did exist because you're listening to them going. They did two or three things prior to this being on the, the list. Yeah. I think this was the, the final thing. So they were like, the U-turn to allow deliveries and or drive through at blah, blah, blah pharmacy. Yeah. It's X amount of feet away from the curb, which is that a blind curb? Uh-huh. So we went and checked it out. It's, it's literally just people going like. We think we could do this. Uh-huh. And and I like that, that if you just had people developing, of course, if you and I stood to make $10 million and we went like, this could make a really dangerous right-hand turn, yeah. but we got to put this in, you kind of like that a city council would go, we went and drove it and checked it out. It does seem unlikely, so we're not going to approve it. We voted, and then you and I would be like, we'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd go scheme again. That's but a- it, they do, I feel like, if anything, they fight back, but maybe they get a little overzealous sometimes, or maybe they do get influenced by you and I finally sway them with money, and they build that thing, and then a ton of people make a right-hand turn and get creamed, and mm-hmm. they... Who knows? Who knows how effective any city council is? I'm going to show up again when they get rid of all right-hand turns. <laughs> that's, I'm with you. That's my project. So uh, we so we just covered that. We uh, we saw each other a few years ago here doing the podcast with Cy and all that. Yeah. We saw each other in Orlando earlier yeah. this year back in, was it February? Yeah, I think so, I think? early March. Yeah, yeah, early March. I should know because it was part of a, my big family vacation. Yeah. Saw you... Uh, uh, do stand up with Chad yeah. Daniels yep, at a really club in Orlando. That yeah. was pretty awesome. That was really cool. Yeah, I'd never seen much of Florida that way. And then he did like eight shows and almost all of them in different cities. So we were kind of driving, seeing a bunch of Florida throughout and didn't see tons. I mean, we saw a, a man. I don't think I've ever seen this. And this isn't that crazy. But a man driving like a pretty big truck, I think with a trailer being towed behind it. And he had his left almost full leg hanging out his driver's side window. And I hadn't really seen that before. You see a lot of passengers maybe with the leg draped over the oh, side. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So this was his driving side, leg uh, out the window. Uh, no, definitely not a clutch in that vehicle. <laughs> yeah, definitely an automatic. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, whatever. And then we saw a woman midday pulled over. On, just on, It's really open down there, you know. There's not a lot of guardrails. It's just giant shoulders that are all grassy, yeah. big, sweeping medians or gullies in between them that's where the alligators live yeah and then but it's all mowed it's really pretty but everything feels slow and lazy and you're like oh this is florida Mm -hmm. this just it doesn't feel like this crazy spring break miami nightlife and granted we we weren't really in those areas but uh there was a woman midday and it seemed like she was wearing like work attire just pulled over vomiting profusely and then but and i brought that up to some people and they're like well that's not that crazy and i was like yeah, true. I mean, that's not like the Florida we think of with meth and bath salts and crazy meat. But it is something you don't see very often. And I, we were in uh-uh. Florida eight days and I saw it. So I was like, this makes sense. There's just something going on in yeah, Florida. Yeah, yeah, Like, I spent a, uh, a week in New York when I was 18, uh, like Times Square, Manhattan, and saw it. Like, every day we went out, I, r- I randomly ran into, like, a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens in New York. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Right, just yeah. Just Florida, you might see somebody... <laughs> Throwing up in the side of the road in yeah. midday. And the fact that none of them thought it was even remotely atypical is the equivalent of you and I in New York being yeah. like, we just saw someone. So like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, that, that happens. Yeah. I think that was, uh, I think that was carrot. Was that carrot top? We just <laughs> that was De Niro? <laughs> Everywhere we go. And then we saw this really terrible car. Can I use cursing language? Yeah, sure. Okay. So the you see a lot of like 
take these guns from my pry it from my hand or you know second amendment this one just said fuck gun control oh on the shittiest car and it was like a big sticker and this and it was a sticker that clearly had been on there a longer maybe longer even than the pork parkland thing so you're like that's a weird area to suddenly be driving around in with that yeah. sticker, and it, that just felt like a very Florida thing. Uh-huh. I think of that in the the way that like if you showed up at a mass shooting with a Keep America Great Again shirt on yeah. or Keep America Great, you people would look at you and like this, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you you're wearing that? Like oh, let me get a new shirt. But they're on sale. Come on, I mean, uh, two for one? Still no? Okay, bad time. I'm sorry. Bad time. Bad time. How how is it? So now you're on the road by yourself. Yeah, yeah. No Chad here this week. Right. This You're the headliner. Month. Yeah, this whole, like, since, um, like, mid to late July. So I just did a run of, I almost feel like I operate more like a band where I just bunch up a whole bunch of shows and go do them in a short period of time. And then I hang out at home with my life associate <laughs> as much as I can. I just like her a lot. And then also, like, the, being on the road is, you get, you know, weary. Sure. And so I don't love all the travel in i don't know I, I would travel more i would do it more i suppose if it were just presented to me but when i have to like kind of hustle it up i'm like i don't know so this last you know uh when you've been out on the road by yourself what's different like you how do you pass the time on the road by yourself versus hanging out with chad and you know right yeah so i do my own podcast and that involves a little bit of work and like you know editing and things like that and then i run try to read books i, I work on my act uh like writing and stuff a little bit more than i maybe used to uh, where I'll just take a little bit of going, maybe listening to something, giving two or three notes on it, maybe writing something down, just things to try the next night. I don't think that was stuff I did before as much. And maybe because my memory was better. I almost felt like if I got off stage, I kind of knew every word. I had. It felt like that a little. Hmm. So that I could make that note for the next night. And then when I got to it the next night, just in the act, I was like, oh, right, here it comes. Make this change. And now I feel like I have to write it down a little more. I'll do that. I'll go jogging. I'll just take walks. I'll go like walk around, get some food. Sometimes just lounge around in like the hotel and watch stuff. And yeah, I don't have like a set routine necessarily. Uh, we're gonna talk more about your podcast as this goes on uh, right now. But uh, are you, did you record one this week in Minneapolis? Do you have one planned? No, I was going to. I don't think I, I am. I brought my stuff. We don't have any interesting enough people. Is that what you're saying? I I have like some, some no geniuses, no scientists, <laughs> no. Uh, inter- well, I kind of like when people reach out to me or, you know, someone will put me in touch like, you know, a friend of a friend or something like that. I, I don't like go scouring through, uh, you know, like uh, the directory at a university or something and just blindly emailing people. Okay. I found like the r- rate of return on that is too low. It's just not worth my time. Okay. So, so nothing like came together organically this time. And then, um, yeah, I really wanted to focus on making sure I had like these jokes together in the way that I wanted. So like during the day, sometimes podcasting can take your mind elsewhere or like you're kind of exhausted after hour or two of chatting, you know, that when you're done, you kind of just want to go and veg out a little bit. And I have like friends and family and stuff in the area. So I wanted to be able to hang out with them. So no, no podcasting (laughs) this visit. So I, right before we, uh, we started recording this afternoon, I saw this thing on Twitter that said, from uh, our mutual friend, Tim Harmston. Ah. Just saw Huntsberger Junk do a brilliant hour of comedy at Acme Comedy Company. Go see him down there this weekend for his album recording and thank me later. You're <laughs> recording? Well. Or is he? I record all the time. And so I, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be 
a finished product. Okay. And I don't like when the crowd knows. I don't think it's organic. So Tim, I, I yeah, I know. I didn't. I almost didn't. I did retweet it that I thought not enough people see or care about tweets anyway. That I don't think it's <laughs> it's not suddenly going to be packed in here with people like do the album. We want it. So I felt fine about it. But yeah, I also like, I never really want to get the word out about that. I like it just sort of happening and then becoming an album. I, it's like, uh, sometimes you listen to people's CDs and it sounds like a little kid going to bat at T-ball for the first time where everyone's just so behind them that every time even they swing and miss, the crowd's like, that's okay, we're still here for you. And I'd prefer it where, that's just not how stand-up is. True. So if your album sounds like that, great. Like, whoa, you had a lively crowd, they were there for you. But sometimes that can be just too inauthentic to me, where I'm like, quiet down. I want to hear these jokes. This is too crazy. Okay, okay. And not that that would be an issue here for myself. I just don't like it on other people's albums. They invite, like, everyone they know, and then that just to me doesn't really feel like comedy. Right. So if you heard that, he's not recording, so (laughs) feel free to laugh. No, I'm always recording. (laughs) You just never know when it could be It might be used. It might not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it might it might be the final show that he's doing this. It might be the eight thousandth show he's doing this. You just yeah, don't I know. Yeah, I watched this David Bowie documentary, and they even the band members didn't know when the final time he did Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders. Like he was just really? like, yeah, they did us. Did they hate him tour. for that? <laughs> no, one of the guys in the band was like, it was so perfectly him, and it was great because we definitely had reached a th- pinnacle, and it was the best show we ever did. So it made sense to leave on that high note. He goes, yeah, it did occur to me like the amount of money I was going to be losing. <laughs> <laughs> But he was still like, I don't hold any ill will or grudges or whatever, because you kind of know going into that arrangement, you're dealing with a guy that is not necessarily like entirely unpredictable, but kind of zigs and zags and moves to his own beat. And then I just thought, like, what to, to be in that crowd, especially to be just thoroughly enjoying it and the musicians playing, and then to hear him go, thank you, this has been great, this will be our last performance, and everyone, people on stage, people off stage, have to go uh, process that and still enjoy what they're seeing. I just thought that was really, really interesting. I better go buy a T-shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so then the other thing we had going uh, between today and the last time I saw you uh, in Orlando, Florida, is Tuesday we were all here for yeah. the Funniest Person in the Twin Cities finals. Right. That was a great uh, set of contestants. And then I missed that dinner, so we didn't get to chat a ton, uh-huh. which I've, I've heard was just a mix-up in emails. I think I was purposely left. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, had, I had been to that dinner in the past, and it is—it feels like such a community thing. Everyone's involved there, and everyone's rooting for it. And yeah, oh, I love it. It was great, man. I and was then, looking back. I think I've this was like my ninth or tenth year helping as a wow. like one of the judges for that thing. Did you? Did you? Well, I don't know if you want to divulge too much, but do you feel like the judging laid out in a way that you were comfortable with the, the results? Yes, yes. I will say, and I think I said this uh, in a past recording. I was one of the time, you know, I come here almost every week to see a show. And so throughout the summer, all these contestants are coming up. One of the guys that was in the final uh, performed one of the nights I came, like on oh, a Wednesday night. Uh-huh. And just so happened that night that one of the managers here was like, hey, we need one more person judging this prelim thing tonight. Would you do it? So uh-huh. I happened to help that night. The guy that went on from that night uh, was in the finals. So I I knew there was at least one strong candidate. He didn't win. <laughs> ah, the guy that I saw did not win. He could have. He finished high. Yeah, they all had, if you were going through their highs, the things you would knock them for, none of them were things where you're like, they absolutely did not deserve to win. They were more so things like, this might cost them. 
you know, if that makes any sense. Okay. Where you'd be like, this was really great. This was this person's thing they have going best for them, whether it was their stage presence or their writing or their timing. You know, there's some people that did really great and didn't quite get to their closer or kind of fumbled their closing joke. Yeah. Other people started strong, maybe didn't finish as well or vice versa. And so it was interesting to watch. They all had points to where you could be like, I could see why they would win. Would you... Would you know immediately that if you were uh, we're going to throw you in to a contest right now to do your top, could you do – what would be your three, three minutes? Three minutes? Yeah. You're, yeah. you're the way – but the way you do your comedy, it doesn't all really work in three-minute blips, does it? It doesn't. I mean, I would have to just – no, it could. I, I, but it, I don't know that it would wrap up neatly. Okay. You know, That's a good I, way to say it. the end, I think it would just be – Oh, I'm out of time. And then people are like, we didn't get to hear where the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I would have some. I don't know that I would know specific. And that's, I think that's really where you want to be if you're, especially if you're going to like do an album or something where you could pick any three minutes and be like, this should be good enough to do like on a late night show or in some sort of contest. Or I always thought that was a little weird when people were like, oh, I, I can't do a, a whatever length set. I can only do an hour. Like, what are you doing to that crowd? You're like <laughs> tricking true. them in. You yeah, should yeah. be along with uh-huh. every minute of it. So hopefully, I, yeah, there have been times in the past where I was like, I think this is going okay. And then I listened to it and like, oh, it, it'll pick up here in a bit. <laughs> and you're like, that's not how you want to listen to comedy. I can't remember if we talked before, about it before, but did you ever do a contest similar yeah. to that? Yeah. When I was in San Diego, there was this contest that really soured me on them. I won't say the guy's name, although I – a while ago, I was just talking about this weirdly, and I couldn't remember his name, so I'm glad I at least remember it. Okay. And uh, he did this thing called Killer Comedy, and they, he would Killer Comedy Contest, which uh, luckily it wasn't all in K's. I was just – you're sounding like you're about to say <laughs> yeah. the KKK is yeah. what we all refer to it as. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> I showed up one time. I got – and I wasn't wild about it even just from the beginning. Even when I knew like nothing about comedy, I was like, I don't want it to be a contest. Why does everything have to be a contest? It's a I look. I like to think of it as an art form. People are like, no, no, it's fun. Like this, if you do well, then you get in working with this guy, and he books a whole bunch of other bars and restaurants and whatever else. And so, I did it. I did great. And the, all the other comics came over to me and were like, great job, man. Like you definitely won. And I was like, oh, thanks. But this kid, who was like 14, had invited his whole family, and he was cute. He was like a t-ball kid. You know, everyone's rooting for him. But his jokes were, you know, he's 14. And then he won. And I got second, and I was like, I am definitely done with comedy contests. How old were you? I was 22 or 3 at the time. And then uh, um, I moved to Austin, and they were like, you should do the contest. And I had spent the first few months I was there going from being like pretty, you know, I could kind of walk into any show in San Diego and get some time or something like that or get on the list at least. And then I went to Austin and I was dead last all the time, if not like sometimes not getting on the show or they, the open mic would go so long and like, sorry, man, the last audience member left. Like, you, do you still want to go? And sometimes I'd be like, is the staff still going to be here? <laughs> I, so I would perform. They, I remember one time. What the, did all the 14 year olds get the good spots? <laughs> <laughs> this at the Velveeta room one night, the, it was just, I believe the waitress, maybe one drunk person and the bartender. And so they're just kind of closing stuff up. The door guy had migrated in. And the host, who was hosting the open mic, that's it. That was who was in the room. And then she was blowing out all the candles on all the tables. So I took one and just, like, held it on stage with me so that at least one of the candles would still be. (laughs) (laughs) So I was at that stage in Austin, and people were like, you should do this contest. It might – it can't hurt. And I was against it, but I was like, you know what? This is really going slower than I'd expected. And so I did that contest, and it really was great. Like, it was – just like this one, it's judged, and you felt like there was some – 
reason behind each thing where the, the people at the end of the night they were picked uh, okay i can see that and i can see that and then i i got really lucky that the the first night i did it i had a pretty good set and still there were some people that had not heard of me even though i'd been there for a few months maybe even six or eight months at this point and one of the like veteran guys stood up like meaning like an older comic stood up when they were announcing the judging and like yelled out my name so that was like a nice stamp of approval so i moved on to the next phase and then I made it to the finals and then the guys who booked the tonight show were there and really enjoyed my set and so started talking with me about doing uh the tonight show and I was really excited like oh I didn't even place I had to go first it was kind of a brutal spot to be in but I thought my set still went okay but you could feel the crowd was just still a little tight Uh and they were like oh we really liked your set you know the crowd was tight but we saw it we liked you and I thought oh this is amazing like they how often does someone that's scouting comedy actually look beyond the reaction necessarily right. and so i was excited by that and then um and then last comic standing came around and i really did not want to do that oh that's right you but, did do that yeah and because i was working at the club i worked in the the basically the office answering phones and making calls all day for the club which club comedy uh cap city comedy okay and so in um, austin yeah yeah and then so kind of like a sister club to this one i feel like in a weird way mm-hmm. there's a pipeline down oh, yeah. 35 yeah and uh so I was just, I had to work for the day and the owner came in and was like, and that was the tough thing is the guys who booked the tonight show also were the judges for that show. And she was like, they keep asking about you. And I was like, I, I'm going to hold off and just try to do the tonight show. I'd like to do a late night set. I don't want to do this stupid contest. And then an hour later, she was like, they're really bugging me about you doing a set. And I was like, I just don't want to. And then she was like, I think if you don't do this, you probably won't be able to do the tonight show. And it's so this or nothing. I, Are you hearing me? Of, yeah, it was like kind of a weird ultimatum where I was like, ugh. And so I went and like the three minutes that like, what would you do? I just went out and did three minutes. And so anyway, then I, that's how I ended up doing that show, which in hindsight, I was like, I was kind of a poor sport about it. But I can be a little snobby in that way. You get forced all the time. And like if you're a m- musician and yet they want you to wear some stupid outfit or no, just play your riffs this way or just play this type of music or just be in this cover band. And the next thing you know, you're just shoved in the corner playing birthday parties, playing <laughs> covers. And you're like, how did it get to this? Like, I wanted to be in a band. Yeah, yeah. You kind of got to be a bit of a jerk, I think, at times or have like, have a code. And so that was me like breaking my code, I thought. I just felt like, damn it. How did yeah. your last comic standing, how did that end? I got two, so I made it from Austin to LA, and then I think 40 people came out for that, and then from those 40, they take 12 to like live in the house that year. It was that format. Yeah, Yeah. and you can kind of look around and see there are two of everybody. So I'm a mid-20s white dude at that point. There was another one of me, and then maybe two or three of me, (laughs) but one would have a beard, one would not, and there'd be like... You know, a heavier woman, heavier black lady, older guy. You know, it was just like Mm -hmm. two of everybody, I felt like. United Colors of Benetton. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they sort of did systematically go through and kind of get one of everybody, which is to say, like, everyone's kind of indispensable. There wasn't a need to feel like, but I'm different. You mm-hmm. can see, like, they can pick through a lot of people. Sure. But I was I was just, I hated it. I really disliked being a part of it. I like, you and we'd be standing around, like, shooting the shit like this, and then all of a sudden a boom mic would drop in, and and especially the New York comics. The, they would be talking just like this, and all of a sudden they'd see that boom mic and go, did I ever tell you about my cousin Tony? Oh, man, one time. We, and they'd launch into a story, and some of the people, like their friends would play along and crack up, and I would just turn around and walk off and like, <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> Good for you. I love this. <laughs> and no, then, I'm not. No, no. 
natural or fuck you? No. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite story from that too. Like, so we're go. Me and Doug Mellard and Brendan Walsh, uh, all funny Austin guys, are going out there for it. And we stop at. Or we're at the airport in Austin, getting ready to leave. And we go get lunch. And I have this thing at this barbecue restaurant where I order potato salad. I realize, oh, they don't do potato salad here very well. I go to ask the lady at the thing, hey, can you switch it? But it's one of those where, like, she prints a ticket. The ticket prints out 20 feet away to the people making it, so they don't talk to each other. So I go, hey, can I can I switch that potato salad for beans? And she just kind of looks at me like – she looks down at the end. So I walk down to the end, and I go, hey, this ticket that's going to come out, I think that's it. And the woman speaks virtually no English. And I, I don't have it in me at that early of time in the morning to – to break into Spanish and like try it just for beans or potato salad. So I go, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's okay. I get my food. I go sit down with my friends. I tell them that whole story only longer. It takes like five minutes and they both just kind of look at me and go, man, you should really tell that on the show. Cause it was so boring. I got the same reaction. You just, just blank stares. Like, and like I ended up with potato salad. <laughs> it's just so boring. and such a non story. So then what started happening is my friend Doug thought that was so stupid and so funny <laughs> that when the boom mic would come in, he would go, hey, what'd you have for lunch? Yes! Today? <laughs> yes! And so, and some of the comics would, they do their nodding faces of like, I'm into this, I'm on camera, go ahead, sport. And I just methodically, as slowly and most, as boring as possible, tell that story. And then the ticket was down the, down at the end. <laughs> yeah, I really? went down there. Yep. I would just draw it out and tell that story longer and longer until it got to where like the boom mic would come in and someone would go like, you had a potato salad thing? And the boom mic would just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're like at the end. And then, and I think you could probably find this footage somewhere. They're oh, doing this awesome. thing of like they're panning around the room as they're announcing who's made it. But they don't, you know, the producers are just kind of watching everyone. The camera guys are, they're in their camera. So they don't see what they're about to see as they're panning left to right yeah, ever so coming? slowly. And then they want us to all just sit there and act nervously. And I would, like, do that Jaws, sort of both fingers in my bottom lip, mouth open, like. <gasps> <laughs> and they'd go, cut, David, come on. You can't, you, you got to look nervous, but not like that. Like, okay, sorry. And then There's not a ghost coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do some version of that again. They go, no, it's it's too much. Just sit there. Oh, okay. And then so they were really starting to get kind of pissed at me. But we get done, and the camera guys had to run like a thousand feet. It was pretty with these heavy cameras, and they'd go film in this tent. And then we're back in this, and they'd run back to this tent. Now, folks, we're gonna. And they'd run back and forth, and this dude is just exhausted with his camera on his hip, just kind of like it's a late in the day, and they're you know the contestants have almost all been announced at that point, and I know I'm not gonna make it. And uh, I say to one of the camera guys, who I had kind of started to recognize, I go, dude, you must be exhausted. And he goes, I am, man. If I'm being honest, this is so heavy, and I cannot wait to go get out of here tonight and dive into some potato salad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! It was great. Like, we had made friends and at least made it. Yeah, the crew (laughs) laughed at it. So then that made us feel like success. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I I hope I always remember that and never look at potato salad the same. <laughs> <laughs> I try to involve it all the time because I think it's such a silly thing. Just the words together, potato salad, is funny to me. But then it also uh-huh. it makes me think of that stupid story, and then it makes me chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then oh, Matt Fulcheron endeared himself. Oh yeah, to us. I know Matt. We, yeah, we've been friends since because he was already our buddy then. He was one of the people that like Nikki Glazer. That's how Tig and I met each other. So there were some great Josh Blue. There were a lot of people that. Um, I felt like I knew just a little bit better coming out of that. But Matt was a guy that hung around us so much that he he was someone, someone that was kind of 
initiated into that cult of the camera would come in and he'd go, hey, man, tell me about that potato salad. And then he was the only outsider that kind of like got into that that thing. So I was like, this, this guy's cool. He gets You just it. said Josh Blue. He was on the season you did? Josh Blue, he won that year. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so Chris Porter was here last week. Yeah, yeah. He was that part of that season too, right? Yeah, yeah. He, we didn't, he didn't hang out a ton, so I didn't really know him from that much. Yeah. He had a lot going on. I think he was getting signed by representation and stuff at the time so he was always busy he's always being whisked off to some room <laughs> the dregs the rest of us would just be sitting there at like the hotel bar <laughs> and then josh being one of them they lost his luggage and so he spent most of his days waiting for his luggage to come and they went and for, i don't know why they couldn't go to a store but they just bought him stuff i think in under the guise of the show that like he's not allowed to leave the hotel oh no. so they bought him souvenir clothing from the hotel so he had like a big mickey mouse shirt on and things like and he was just a cool sport about it make sure they just said california on it like, and so we're like i like this guy he's real mellow he didn't care at all I was like, yeah, it's fine oh, i love it yeah um let's now talk about uh let's give some attention to your special that is on amazon prime right now hey thanks man yeah, I it took. I don't know if you know the backstory. Where like some of some of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I mean, a, a bunch of people volunteered. It was a thing on Professor Blastoff where a tarot reader was like, "You have a project." So this you... that's true. I read that. Yeah, that's the true. Real... Okay, I'm sorry. Go on. There's a, a tarot reader. Yeah, and she said she read some card and she goes, "You have a project that you want to do or you've thought about doing for a while and you haven't given it any life." And I was like, "That's true." And she goes, "Well, you should talk about it." Hold on. Now, when a tarot tarot reader tells you that. Your first reaction is it's true, but do you also think, yeah, but you're a tarot reader, so I don't believe any of your BS? Or like, I well, you know what? I just needed a nudge. It felt horoscopy to me. I mean, what are the chances you could say that to 50 people and at least 35 of them wouldn't have something? Most right. people have some project, whether it's fixing an old car or whatever. Yeah. So I just, it, to me, it didn't ring as like, <gasps> how did you know? Yeah, right. It's kind of like a, well. That's yeah. what I would think. Yeah. So I wasn't like you know dazzled or anything but i also thought like i'll play along and so i did i just mentioned like ah this animated idea and then i just started getting flooded with animators from around the world that are like i'll help so then when that started to become real then i did a kickstarter we made some enough money from that to like hire a film crew and i flew everyone into austin in hindsight i have no idea how i afforded to do all of this we flew all these people in and put them up in hotels and your like, goal on kickstarter was we made twenty six thousand dollars i think and then, so we spent a little bit more than that. So I didn't make any money from it, but I got to make this thing, and it was just great. And and then the the pressure of like allocating a budget, you know. And there's no thing where you can go to a like a flight purchasing site and ha- and say, "Hey, I need to spend this much money. Can you help me?" The, the flights are always in flux, and yeah. so if you need to, I would have an animator say in DC that I need to fly to Austin. I'd see flights for. 261 I'm like that's pretty good and then i check the next day and they're 313 and i go well that's that's only like you know 50 bucks but times 20 people that's a lot of money right like you have got to be on top of this so i was really trying to be as judicious as i could with getting the flights got everyone there and then i worked with this woman who worked you end up finding all these weird background sites where like we can put you in touch and get you discount bulk deals so i got a block of hotel rooms for really cheap and then everyone else volunteered. So all the all the artists, all the people volunteered. I had a seamstress who made all these costumes, people that made paper mache things. And it just is a funky, weird looking world that we created. Yeah. And then we shot it, and then uh, and then nothing happened with it. It just like it couldn't it couldn't sell it to Netflix. And this was pre them. This was when they were still like buying independent specials, you know. So I thought it was like a likely avenue. 
didn't go anywhere there. And then I ended up licensing it to a company, which I really regretted. And now I feel like at least, you know, it is on Amazon Prime now. Mixed feelings about Amazon as a company. But I do really like that it, people can see it now. Because mm-hmm. we put, I mean, it was just like sleepless nights and hours and hours and hours. And like we were talking before the show when you're thinking about your podcast and it's just, it's hard to go to sleep. And it's the first thing sometimes you think of when you have free time. Mm-hmm. It's very much that. And then getting clips from animators and editing them and getting in the right codec and like plugging everything in so that my girlfriend and I had to, she got this software that allowed us to plug in virt- basically a turntable and run the animation like music files or clips so that she could move between each three-minute segment of animation seamlessly so it looked like it was all one big long thing and then she could rock it to sleep and slow it down with the turntables or speed it up to catch up with me so people watching very cool it was rad and we did it at like some movie theaters and things like that where it's just me as this little speck and then this giant projection screen behind me playing the animation you had to have it all synced kind of yeah i mean we had to know certain points to hit at so sometimes we would practice just in the house which is a weird thing to just do stand up and be doing it and she'd just be sitting on the floor working with this turntable thing and then making notes like do you always say that or what if you say this and but that allowed where if someone coughed or did something or heckled and i had to stop and talk with them she would just kind of rock the animation back and forth wow and then no one would know what was happening and then once i started again the animation would take back off so we really kind of Wizard of Oz did a little bit where people just thought like I was pressing play on a DVD and then reciting a stand-up bit. Yeah. And which was that'd be impossible. And so it looks very synced up and so anyway, we shot that whole thing and then we we made two versions of it, one that was just fully the animation, another one's me and the animation. And then it just yeah, disappeared for like 4 years and I'd kind of just given up on it. Professor Blastoff went behind a paywall and no one could hear that. I mean, they could hear it but you had to buy like a subscription. So suddenly all this thing of like just years of my life and all this work I had done were just buried, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing to learn that like that's what life's going to be anyway. (laughs) You're just going to disappear instantly. But to have it happen when you're still relatively young and and very much alive was a weird feeling to be like, I wish people were seeing this now or hearing this now. Were you getting uh, the people that participated in the Kickstarter? They got everything that they had earned were were promised and everything. Were any of them going, yeah, but. What about, is anybody else going to see this thing we wanted, this thing we helped you with? Yeah, there were a few people when I put out the thing, you know, hey, it's on Amazon Prime. There were people that wrote, finally, or, oh, it lives. Oh, great. I can't wait. I've heard so much about it. So I think there were people that thought, yeah, maybe it just never went anywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, I would send all the people that did donate or contribute. I shouldn't say donate, contribute. You know, they got all their rewards. But a lot of that just involved like an MP4 file or even just like an audio file. Some of them just wanted, you know, maybe like an, a CD of mine or something. So yeah. not everyone that contributed wanted a download of that, but they got either a streaming code, and that was through Vimeo initially. And no one watches anything on Vimeo. And it's a sad place to go if you go to the Vimeo marketplace. You just see the amount of movies that are already on all the streaming sites. There's as many, if not more, that made it people that made an effort. It's like the self-published, self-published book community. So you go on Vimeo and you're like, and a lot of them you hear the concept and you're like, that sounds really interesting. But how many hours of your life can you contribute to like taking a chance on doing that, or especially paying for it? And Vimeo, yeah. you're like, would I risk $4 on this video that I've never heard a sentence about? Right. But when you're living in that world, you're like, I hope people do that. I hope people just, just take a chance. It's four bucks. Yeah. Cheap ass. I yeah. know. But yeah, like the sales. Yep. Yeah, it was almost impossible. And I, I guess maybe you could do like targeted ads or try to like drive people there. But 
when I had my website for years, I have this little book of comics I've been selling at the shows and yeah. people ask like what it is. And I'm always like, this was when I was, when I still thought independent websites could be like a mom and pop shop. And if you had enough content on your site, would people go there? And then when the big companies started, you know, paying a staff to just not only have content update every day, but maybe every hour or maybe even every minute. So then you're like, but I'm just some, I'm just one person. Yeah. So your site, if people are refreshing it and it's not updating more than once every three days, you're not getting many visits, you know? And so the comic book was like kind of my analog sort of, well, this is what used to be in the site. And then I just kind of think everything now got flooded, you know, just kind of funneled into you're either on Reddit or Twitter or Instagram or maybe Snapchat or something. And then everything that we see visually is kind of Apple or Amazon or Netflix or mm-hmm. soon to be Disney. You know, it's really just it's like oil refineries or um, slaughterhouses. You know, <laughs> just, <laughs> it all just gets funneled down into like four main tent poles. <clears throat> Pretty much. And so I used to think um, I used to Amazon freaking loved Amazon Mm -hmm. like man everything boom I can get it here in two days for free or in an hour or whatever they they have everything I can price comparison shop price match and I hated Walmart Mm -hmm. in the last year I've warmed up to Walmart (laughs) and I'm getting cold on Amazon. Interesting. Yes. Maybe the, you think like the Waltons grew a conscience or something like that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is. I've been tricked into entering a couple Walmart stores in the last year or two. Uh You know what? They do have everything. It's so weird that that would be like the final vestige of the marketplace where humans walk into it. We create all these dystopian futures and everyone knows them, is familiar with them and goes, Ooh, heads up for that. Anyway, Amazon prime. And then a drone, at not that far off, they've, which they for sure have experimented with. Oh, yeah. But, like, brings a package, drops it off. I mean, if you just – and it's very, like, the fifth element, you know, that kind of, like, you live in a little cube, a little tray slots out, your food drops in, the package you just ordered, whatever you have drops in. Everything else is kind of digital. Mm-hmm. We are not that far off from that. And so are we going to fight back against it and go to stores and physically go into places I don't think so. I, I think humanity are even people that have that mindset still go, oh, I'd have to get in the car. I'll do it next week. I think we just we don't have it. We don't have the resolve to and everyone's so busy. So it's just a perfect like Jeff Bezos saw that. I think that's why he keeps the 110 billion. I bet he has the lowest estimation for humanity of anyone that ever lived. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> He's just look at these ants, these pathetic little vermin. I think he hates humans. <laughs> You're right. How can we keep them in their houses all day? Yeah, they're just gonna keep buying what I sell them. They think they hate me. Fuck them. Uh-huh. I think he, and I, I look. I promote my special on there because I, all the eyes are there. So no, but I mean, I, I, I've heard it. you on the beginning of your podcast going, ah, eh, I know people. You got mixed. I too have mixed feelings on Amazon. That's where it is. Yeah, yeah. Someone messaged me, and I feel like this person one doesn't even go on the computer very frequently, or two certainly doesn't like having digital exchanges maybe it's a person that was like hey let's meet here and talk in person but and i'm only sending you this message because i think it's kind of vital the message was subject one-headed beast body it's also available on roku channel comma or maybe period that's where i saw it period end of email and i just love that like yo you need to know this you don't need a lot of fluff with hey how's it going or hey or see you thanks best just here's the here you go and I thought, that's fantastic. I just love that. that mm-hmm. So I've been mentioning Roku, and then, of course, people shit on that. <laughs> I'm a big Roku channel guy. 
And who knows that Roku isn't, of course they're trying to be just like yeah. any of the other ultra juggernauts in the world. Right, but right. for now they are not. So there's a there's an element of like, good for you, little guy. Mm-hmm. So I like that it does exist there so that you have the option. There you go. I uh, well, I will say in Amazon in Amazon's defense, not only are they uh, have a place for your for people can see and Roku for people can see your special, but also I need to, I haven't mentioned it recently. Uh, Mike E. Winfield, one of our favorites here on the podcast, favorite at Acme, he has yeah. his special Stepman is now available on Amazon Prime, and if you haven't, go watch it very soon. Very and if funny. you don't know that bit, just watch it for just that bit. Uh-huh. We're talking about Stepman. So good. So funny. Yeah, he's a great guy. Just he's real a great comic. dude. Yeah, really funny. One of those guys where you see and you're like, how's this guy not way more famous? Mm-hmm. And he just, he has a cool look. Yes. He talks cool. Yes. He's nice, likable. He's funny. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on. <laughs> Whenever I used to do that, my buddy would stop me and go, smells nice, handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Fun to touch. <laughs> Smells real nice. Hey, did you? Uh, <clears throat> this kind of is connected to what we we're just talking about with the animation. You had people, uh, you know, trying to decide to you know, uh, fly people in and put them up in a hotel, getting a deal, and other people donating their time. Did you see the Shaquille yeah. O'Neal thing from earlier this week? No. Well, you know who Shaq is. Oh, of course I do. So uh, he is doing. He put out a tweet. I'm trying to. Did I save it? My iPad or the phone here? But I, I saved the story. It's a. Uh, uh, He's going to be doing a TV show called Shack Tunes, and he asked for people, animators, to send in ideas for his show. Whoa. Yeah, and if you get picked for the show to be, for your animation to be on his show, you get a huge uh, prize of $500. Oh, my God. Okay. That's awful. Yep. That's the reaction that uh, the rest of Twitter gave. <laughs> that's horrendous. This story's story about, I think, a week old or so. I saw it at oh. first, and I was looking at it again this morning. Oh. Yeah, uh... Uh, Twitter attacked the shit out of him, and they have now changed it. The prize is now ten thousand dollars. Okay, that's that's a little better. Yeah, they were like people. Yeah, people were like, uh, and I, in fact, someone even replied with like a chart of like, do you want to see how much animators charge? Yeah. for an hour of their work, you right. jerk, and you're asking for. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, it's backed by, like, I don't know, TBS or so ABC. Like, yeah, it's, it's a company. Know. It's yeah. not even him. Like, it's somebody else's money. And $500. I, I think that was purposeful, realistically. I'll bet they... To get me to mention it on a podcast? To get people, people like talking me? about it. Man, I mean, that... how hard is it to get publicity? You know, are people that fired up about an animation contest? No. But then now, yeah, you're mentioning it because it went so viral. You know, there's animation houses attached to it. There are people that were at least consultants in some way, and they were like, and then it was just a PR person being like, let's do like a crazy insulting reward or prize to begin with. TNT, yep. Get everyone furious, and then we'll up it to what is still a low amount. Even ten thousand for animation. I was thinking that I was I was wanted to get your opinion on that. Ten thousand still seems like it might be low. Have you watched Alone on the History Channel? No. Do you like survival shows? Yes. It's fantastic. So it's. I love survival. (laughs) <laughs> naked and Afraid? Is oh, like, this is way better. Is it better than Naked and Afraid? 100% better. Then I'm going to love it. It's better than Dual Survivor. It's a survival. It's better than Les Stroud, Survivor Man. It's better. Oh, I like than, that too. And I Bear Grylls, if you like that one, it's just, that's like a Hollywood thing. But this one is 10 people that get camera gear, they get dropped in the middle of nowhere, and they film themselves. And the, the crew comes out to check on them once a week or so for medical checks. But otherwise... They get 10 survival items, and they all choose differently. You get some basics. You get a tarp. You get this. You get you know warm gear. Yeah. And then beyond that, do you want a knife or do you want a hatchet? Do you want a saw to cut wood or do you want a flint to start fire? You, you have to choose pretty wisely. 
and then just go. Whoever is out here the last wins $500,000. And so you can see from a production standpoint, like we have no we have no sets. We don't have we have one location that we pay for. We have a tiny ass crew. Yeah. We rent some helicopters or boats to get back and forth to the people. We own the camera gear. So $500,000 still could make you a significant chunk of change. So to have animators just contributing their stuff for free on a show that you just screen it on, mm-hmm. it should be a, a million dollars to the winner. I mean, 10000 is ridiculous. People were calling it out also after they read the fine print, and it was like, oh, no matter what you submit, uh-huh. they own it. Whether they use it or not, <laughs> they own it. Then they use it, and then you don't win, and they own it. You make no money. You have given them free content. I mean, at least when you do stand-up on a late-night show or something, they give you like a 1000 bucks or something because – comics act as if they're scratching at the door like please let me perform on your show because the exposure element which is still such a currency weirdly in entertainment (laughs) but those shows are like what if these idiots knew how much advertising money we were making pre and post their little four minute set yeah they'd want more than a thousand dollars yeah so everyone gets tricked into it with the idea of exposure it's just such an unfair currency so Mm -hmm. Hey, I worked in radio for a long time. They yeah. they uh, the p- lot pay for a lot of people in radio is uh you're privileged to work here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean there's something about like Oh, you turn your back on the free DVDs, huh? <laughs> you got to go to that Chevy dealership, man. Come on, man. Those aren't free, you know, activities. The car show? Hello? <laughs> Remember when you had to stand there on your feet for 6 hours? Come on, you got to broadcast. go to the car show. Remember you gave out koozies at a movie? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, you. We are gave you that. Welcome. Thank you very much. Are you, David Huntsberger, excited that Eddie Murphy is coming back to do stand up? Oh, man. So, this material that I'm currently doing uh, is very visual. People seem to be enjoying it because it's just kind of silly and fun. And then I did One Headed Beast, and again, it just got thrown in a trash can, essentially. And then now, luckily, is available in streaming. I think it's different and cool. And I think it. If nothing else was just trying to take like a little bit of a swing at like what if what if we did this? What if something was a little different? So if I were given just a substantially higher budget than that, and that's twenty five thousand, no one makes a special for that amount of money. And all they do is shoot in a theater, maybe they bring in a jib arm. I mean there's no reason to have high production on a stand up special. Right. You have one location and, and sometimes people buy tickets if you have a following it should just be a wash. Like, I got a whole lot of issues with the budget that goes into stand-up specials. But uh, so to know that, like, maybe he'll do something really cool. But if he just comes out in, like, ooh, he did red and blue, and maybe he'll do a black suit this time of leather. Or maybe he'll – is he going to wear the gloves? We're all going to watch. And I'm excited from that standpoint. I'm excited to see. But when someone's had that much money and been detached from paying bills, from being a, a traditional, relatable human being – I almost never enjoy it. And I, I honestly have we even heard good things about Eddie Murphy for the last 20 years? I don't think we've heard terrible things. I mean even him picking up prostitutes or I mean his story was like this person was in the rain cold and I was giving them a ride home and people were like you're going to have sex with okay so you're going to have sex with a, a transvestite or whatever the appropriate term I think transvestite is out now a crossdresser or a trans gentleman or woman with Maybe they have a penis. Whatever you're into, that's okay. So that to me is not a knock on Eddie Murphy. I don't think he's like no. beaten anyone up. He hasn't done anything outlandish to a degree where you're like, fuck Eddie Murphy. So I still love him as a person. I still think he's offered so much in my life in entertainment that I'll just be thankful for forever. Yeah. 
However, am I excited to see <laughs> someone that has no stake in it? He has no – there's no skin in that game. It's – it's. wait, Ellen got $25 million? How much could I get? You can get $70 million? I'll do it. That's the – when that's your impulse to do something artistic – I'm not wild about what the result is going to be or the process. They're saying this morning that he's going to even go on the road, that it's not just going to be yeah. oh, a Netflix special. Oh, you have to. He's got to work on yeah. it. And he's doing SNL. Mm-hmm. And that excites me. That excites me way more than the stand-up special. I agree. Me too. Yeah, I think we're just in this weird frenzy place now where you have the 1%. Conan coming into the podcasting world is the 1% kind of encroaching back down into like, hey, man, this is our terror. This is our f- flea market. This is our bazaar where we sell our wares. You have Saks on Fifth Avenue, man. You yeah. Get a big ass store. Don't come sell it at our fucking uh-huh. flea market. It kind of feels like that with the stand-up world. We're like, oh, you either the big people with Netflix specials or you're just some jackass on a weekend where people go, I guess we'll go see comedy. And then that maybe the difference in between is fair. Maybe there is a discrepancy in talent that is that gargantuous. I don't buy it, though. I uh, – oh, you just made a – you just made a great point about he's. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited to see Eddie Murphy do stand up. I'll tell you that his. Uh, have you tried to listen to Raw or Delirious? <laughs> they do not hold up. No. Yeah, I. And to be honest, when my friends were into them uh, when I was younger, and I had like gay people in my life, and so hearing someone just flippantly say, you know, the f word. I wasn't into, and I and then my friends would be like quoting the ice cream thing or the wealth. Yeah, on the wealth, and I you be can't like, afford it. Yeah, yeah. No and I'm like, well, these are classic bits, and I I crack up just hearing my friends tell them, and then they'd put it on, and I'd watch a little bit of it and just be like, I'm just, I'm just not into this. I don't know. It was it was either too cool or like I liked him. He's Axel Foley to me at that point, you know. So seeing Ach- him be. <laughs> I still laugh when I fart in the tub. <laughs> <laughs> you can smell it. You can smell it. You still take baths. Uh, I did this morning, my friend. <laughs> All right. Not good. I'm just saying. I don't meet a lot of people that still take baths. Very relaxing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The same friend that made fun of me for the thing with the uh, smells nice, handsome. When we'd be having drinks and it got late in the night, he would disappear. Inevitably, you'd go in the bathroom, whoever's house you're in. Oh, And he'd no. have like a glass of red wine and just – and he's like 6'5". And just be naked in their no, tub. No, 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 no. quietly bathing. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Hey, buddy, you having a bath? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even have a good one at my house, but I, uh, yeah, when I have the time, like yeah. a day like today where I'm not, you know, I'm, this is what I'm doing today. I was prepping for this podcast. Nice. I didn't work anyplace else. So yeah. Sometimes I. Uh, Get in that bath. Can take, relax. It feels great. The bath Telling feels you. great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, did you watch Chappelle's new special? He stole your uh, outfit, as you pointed out. <laughs> I saw you pointed that on Twitter. He stole your jumpsuit idea. Yeah, I mean, he did half-baked, and people have worn jumpsuits. I mean, we borrowed the idea. This is pre-Mystery like Mystery Science Theater coming back. So the seamstress was like, oh, we have these jumpsuits. And I was like, I knew I wanted to wear something funky, and I had been trying to say to her, like, what if we did this or that? And she brought up the jumpsuit idea. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty much what I had in mind, and I love Mystery Science Theater. This would be like a little tip of the cap. Yeah. And then, then Mr. Science Theater came back. So then I think of people seeing it come out, they're like, why is this dude, why is he wearing what Jonah's wearing? Yeah. But then for Chappelle to be doing it, it just was weird. Like, he has the same placement of articles. There's this shoulder thing that's kind of white, and there's a name tag thing on the, on, a, on the chest. And that was really strange to see. Like, they're very similar. Yeah. 
there's no chance he saw my thing at all. <laughs> but there is a significant chance that I, if I do like a follow up and I wear the jumpsuit again, people will be like, oh boy. <laughs> and but I just have no, I don't have a lot of juice. So like, if I share that tweet of like, this is similar, it doesn't ignite Twitter with like, oh weird, oh yeah. Gizmonics Institute <laughs> says that. I think he stole that idea. Uh. Um. I I looked up to see if you were doing anything on Kickstarter nowadays. You've done it twice. I've done it twice, twice, right? Yeah, Yeah, I don't think I could again. I just feel like, I mean, really, this material that I may or may not record, uh, I still owe it to some people. I went to the Fringe years ago, and and I recorded some stuff. I had, like, the things I could reward them with for that. Um, So I created a whole bunch of animation that goes along with this set. And so that's the, the bulk of what that Kickstarter was and to help with going to the fringe. So then I went there and did that, and then I came back with all this animation, and I like I liked where the material was. I didn't love it, and then, um, so I didn't, re- I didn't reward the people. I didn't send them the MP3s I had from the shows and stuff like that. I just thought, like, I want to get a little better. Oh. So every now and again, I would get a message from someone like, dude, I contributed to this, like, years ago. And you can put, like, a loose date on the thing, so people kind of know, like, it doesn't. you don't have to hit that deadline. You want to, but when you're picking it, it's already kind of arbitrary. Unless you know, like, I will be done okay. June 1st, 2021. And so every now and again, I would get a thing like, hey, I'm so sorry. Did I miss the rewards from this? And I'll have to write back and be like, nope, still coming. What kind of stuff I it, I didn't know it does this, but I saw it says the things it says that you've started to and that you've supported seven. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're fun to. I mean, I feel like when I name have something you, that you follow that you've uh, supported on Kickstarter. I can't even think of any, honestly. Really? I think okay. Maybe some ba- some friends of mine were doing one to do a tour with their band. There's another like tech thing that I like, like a backpack or something. And beyond that, I don't. Okay. I can't really think of any. But yeah, I'm open to it. For def- if you just get to scrolling on there, you'll probably find something. You're like, oh, oh I, I, I do that. Oh, you sometimes. do? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I've uh, I've I've backed two things one product i have already and the other one i should be getting i think any day now oh nice yeah, yeah. i got like little uh, earbuds cool like knockoff you know apple they're like mm-hmm. 50 bucks basically i just got them like two weeks ago and that's they work awesome. awesome that's great yeah Kickstarter. Little, little carrying case and stuff they're i sweet. wanted to pitch this and i did i pitched this idea that would be like a weekly topical kind of science show like everything happening in discovery space exploration weird stuff that washes up on the beach pseudoscience stuff with like Bigfoot sightings and things, advances in medicine, and just silly, like making fun of it. But a thing I really wanted to do was like a tech demonstration, but you really using Kickstarter for that because you could help people, one, and two, you could expose them to phenomenal technology. And a lot of times they oh, just yeah. have a prototype that costs them all their money and they're trying to do Kickstarter to like mass produce it. Yeah. So you can look at that like, oh, this is a microphone stand that folds itself up or becomes the microphone or something where you're like, who thought of that? And then it just disappears because it didn't get the funding. So I've somewhere there's that's gotta happen. Yeah, right. Like I would watch it. I would too, for sure. I would. <sighs> didn't take off. <laughs> <laughs> My wife backed a thing, and she still. It's been like almost a year, and she hasn't seen Jack Sheite. Oh yeah. And it was a. Uh, it's some sort of like thing to basically instead of using a toothbrush to brush your teeth, you put this like. I don't know, like this mouthpiece guard thing in, and it has little bristles, supposedly, and cleans your teeth like in six seconds or something. Ooh. Yeah. But didn't get it. They're still working on it. 
We're having... I would trust them. I mean, you can message them and be like, what's going on? Oh, yeah, and they're then... giving the updates yeah, occasionally. I just checked with her recently. She hadn't had an update for several months. I had one that I – I think this was a GoFundMe that took so long I unsubscribed from the updates. <laughs> Because I, I just didn't care anymore. This is just a runaround. Like, I was like, I was just kind of helping to help. Now these emails are getting obnoxious. I don't need <laughs> like a every other week update. Either do it or don't do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to know that you might be screening it in some city or something. <laughs> Keep it yourself. <laughs> uh, you know what we uh, we should have mentioned? I never mentioned the, the kid who won the contest. We should oh, say yeah. his name. Charlie Settles. Charlie Settles. Yeah, 23 was. years old. Got a bright future. Yeah. To have that sort of comfort on stage at 23, whew, to just sit there. And granted, now maybe it's different at 23 where, like, Mitch Hedberg could watch Stephen Wright. But who could Stephen Wright really watch to be like, I'm going to be the guy that tells jokes this slow. Yeah. And the crowd just ate it up. Oh, yeah. The pa- the pauses, he was nailing them. And that just Long. That confidence. Yeah. I mean, that Charlie kid... He told what I felt like won him the contest, that joke. He tells the first punchline. I felt like he sat there for 20 seconds, and the crowd was just rippling with laughter, and then he did the second punchline, and it still worked. Yeah. That is pretty – I think that's unteachable. That's a pretty fascinating ability to have, to just be that comfortable sitting around. Because two things are happening. You're, one, not really thinking too much about, like, when's the right time to jump in. But you are. Yeah. But secondly, you just have this weird confidence that, like, wait till you hear this part. No matter how long I wait, it will still work. I thought that was impressive, so I liked him. Yeah, yeah, he was good. With let's, uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, already. Let's give some attention to the podcast you've been doing. I looked back the when you were here doing the show we did with Cy. Uh huh. It, I think it had just started. Really, Space Cave had just started. Oh man, yeah, yeah. twenty fifteen. I want to say is when it got off the ground. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you're maybe you're a little bit into it then. Maybe, yeah, because I'm about to do number two hundred, and it's been basically one a week. I've had a few gaps where I missed a little bit here and there, but overall, uh, yeah, like one a week. So just about to hit two hundred. But it's only about a hundred guests, and you're if not, I've two repeated. parts, two three parts. Yeah, I didn't want to do a three hour podcast every week. That would just, I, I, you start forgetting things, and you start forgetting guests, and I more so wanted it to be like where I really can engage in the conversation. And but I didn't know if people would be like, "Oh, cool, I'm enjoying this conversation," and then it pauses, and you have to wait a week. So it's a, a lot of people binge it. They just wait and then listen to a bunch all at once, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty common these days in podcasting. Oh, it is. I listen to quite a few different ones, and I, I end that's up how you do it. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think there's a pretty small amount of people that are just waiting there every Monday morning to like get the new one. Yeah. But I, I try to be aware of that and put it out on a timely schedule. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. Like I, I, it hasn't really taken off. It's not particularly successful, and it's weird. You, have a pa- you do Patreon? Yeah, and I have like. 40 people 45 people maybe that do that so that's it's not exactly like you know gonna pay all my bills and stuff like that but it shows me that at least a few people are into it and yeah. it's wor- means something to them and so i love it for that reason and your guests are like everyone from uh like people that i've had on this podcast mm-hmm. i saw like ryan stout has yeah. been on yeah. uh jay elvis weinstein mm-hmm. uh Derek hughes yeah all people that have been on this podcast that perform at acme but also you have like scientists and yeah. specialists in certain things. The one that's out, depending on when this comes out. Uh, oh yeah, there's a brand new one today. Today, right? yeah. yeah, and he's like, out now. he works for uh, NASA's Ames Research Institute, and he's 
a carbon cowboy, which is so fascinating to talk to someone who has a PhD from Stanford who works in climate science and then be like, hey, how do I go to like Thanksgiving dinner and talk about this? And you would think he'd go, say this, this, and this. And he goes, you know, I don't really get into that. I, and I was like, what? But you're, you're who I need to be referencing if we're having these discussions where people go, like, it's not really a thing. And he's like, I mean, you could say that factually we've been putting more carbon dioxide in the air since the Industrial Revolution than prior to that. And that's what I study. And so his whole thing is just determining how much the plants, you know, they need a certain amount of it. But then how much extra is going in, how much is detrimental to them, how much oxygen are they giving off, where is the carbon going? He kind of likened it to if there's a giant bathtub, to bring it back to that, and we (laughs) all had just like a tiny little cup of cream and the bathtub was filled with coffee. We just, each one of us was putting in just a little dose here and there. After a while, we wouldn't really know where it came from. It would all, the cream would all just start to swirl in. It can end up real far away or mingled with other stuff. And so his job is trying to like trace where it came from and in what amounts and things like that. I thought it was so fascinating. So when I talk to like these jet propulsion lab people or NASA people or Caltech people, to me, I just feel like we don't really get an opportunity to do that very frequently. Uh So I love it. And I like, luckily people that listen to the show seem to like that too, you know, just to get a little insight into, and I involve beer and keep it like pretty casually, but yeah, some music. Yeah. I got some music. I want it to just be a pleasant, quiet, like calming, good bath listening. (laughs) (laughs) Can now, can I, uh, can I know in advance what beer is going to be? And I can like join and I can sip the same one. I saw one of the episodes you drank. One of my favorites, uh, castle danger, the cream cream ale. ale. Yeah. Love that stuff. I used to do a thing from Minnesota. There was some, yeah. And in Duluth, in fact, and so, or near Duluth, Yeah, two harbors, two harbors. Yeah. I was just up there recently. I went to the brewery. Uh, and someone reached out to me early on in the show to ask that very question. And I used to do a tweet every Friday, hey, this week's beer is going to be this. See if you can source it. And then fewer and fewer people were paying attention to the tweet or responding to it or saying, hey, great, I'll get it. And I just thought, like, eh, this doesn't, it doesn't really have any uh, return on investment oh, okay. for the time it took. But I easily could do that. Maybe I should start doing that again. What, some, what happens a lot is, like, Oh, I got this beer that's distributed in two states. So if you live in this area, you can get it. Yeah. So that started to frustrate people, I think. Oh, I see. Yeah. So and you know, all the the macro breweries own all of like Ballast Point and Lagunitas and these ones that you can find everywhere. Where you're like, oh, here's an IPA not everyone has tried. Like they have. They're they're in every state. They're yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tough to find a thing that's. Which I love, like going to a place and just having like their regional thing. Like, what do you guys make here? Hmm. Um. Always have new stuff in Minneapolis, it seems like. Oh, my God. There's a brewery every uh, every other building downtown yeah. here is a brewery <laughs> pretty much. I'm not complaining. There's just a lot. I listened to the episodes you did with the guy, Conrad something, that was a oh, Scientologist. Scientologist. Yeah. Because, as people listen to this podcast know, I am one of many that are absolutely fascinated. Scared, fascinated mm-hmm. by Scientology. What do you think from – because he's a guy in the 70s going into the 80s that did it. So it was a different kind of vibe. Yeah, I, when, when it came to that part where he was like, well, I was in for 14 years. And I'm thinking, oh, so like from 2000 to 2014 or something? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I was out in the 80s. Like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, and still – Like before it was cool to leave <laughs> in Scientology. Holy cow. Yeah, but then that woman he brought up who had to leave by like – Dark of Night, essentially, yeah. it was around that same period. So they were still Sea Orgy, like real creepy and clandestine. Then he just, I think, got lucky that when he left, they weren't aggressively trying to hassle him about it. Yeah, they just call him like, "Hey, man, you need to take some new classes." I'm saving up. 
and they just leave him alone. Yeah. Like if, if Scientologists ever call you, just go, I'm saving up and I want to get the next book. Okay. Talk uh-huh. to you soon. But that, yeah, really fascinating and different than what I thought it was going to be because I thought it was going to be all of the the documentary stuff we see and things like it that. It was a little different because I've watched all of the stuff. I've seen the movies. I've yeah. read two, at least I've read Leah Remini's book. I've read, I think, two more books in addition to that in the last wow. few years. Yeah. I don't read a lot of books, <laughs> but I am fascinated by that stuff. Yeah, it's a really interesting co- topic. And I, I just thought, like, especially looking at him, seeing him, you know, you just – I think I mentioned it in the second part where he's just a guy that just like needed a group. He just wanted some people to love him yeah. and found that in that for a little while. And then how disappointing when you're feeling that love and then they go, you should buy another level. Yeah. Like, but don't you care about me? We definitely do. But we will care even more if you buy the next level. Yeah. And that that to me like really summed up a well, part of it. Well, how about the, the thing that stood out uh, to me was when uh, he's explaining to you about how when he was in it and he was told them he was having – like depression problems yeah. and they didn't try to help them <laughs> yeah, they, they said like, sign, sign this, this stuff yeah to, so you know we have it documented that we have nothing to do with your depression basically. <laughs> like, or your death yeah your death or mm-hmm. what comes after this like yeah. holy fuck i know yeah and that i mean again going to that thing where he's like but you care about me right right right, right. we just want you to sign this that says if you die we can say you were never a member of this church and we none of us knew you just but we yeah we love you we mm-hmm. do lo- that was what a heartless, weird, crazy th- sort of thing. And this was all pre-David Miscavige, too. Mm-hmm. So definitely a different period where now it's a little... Yeah, L. Ron like, Hubbard was still alive. Yeah. This guy was in a... Which is nuts. Yeah. Can you separate... This has been something that's been coming up on the podcast recently. Because all of our, all of our uh, people we, you know, like we put on a pedestal, you know, mm-hmm. like we over these last several years, we're finding out... People aren't perfect. Yeah, they have a lot of problems. Yeah, uh, I mean, some really, really, really shitty. You know, from freaking Bill Cosby to R. Kelly to Michael Jackson to you know, like uh, t- Tom Cruise being a Scientologist. Mm-hmm. Can you separate the sign? Like, do you care? Do you hold that against somebody like Tom Cruise? Like, there's yeah. going to be another Top Gun movie coming out. Yeah, are you excited I, to see that? And has nothing. And who who gives a shit that he's a weirdo Scientologist? The Scientology doesn't bother me about him. I don't care about that. What bothers me is that he abandoned his daughter. Like he doesn't see Suri. She's a okay. An well, SP let me or something. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And She's then, a suppressive. Well, yeah. let me ask you again then. Uh, let me let me combine those two into the question. Okay. Can you can you still enjoy a movie with Tom Cruise knowing that because he's a Scientologist, it's affecting his relationship, and he shunned his daughter, which is fucking awful yeah can you separate that i liked apocalypto the mel gibson movie i liked hacksaw ridge and i think it's different i don't see i see tom cruise playing a character and that's the thinnest for me to i'm not going to contribute my money to this i don't think it stops someone from being harmed you know like it's which is very different you know r kelly if i hear his music i want to turn it off because of that thought Mm mm-hmm same thing with Michael Jackson. And I I don't even, like, I haven't even watched that documentary yet. There's just been too many things, and he was too weird. And I loved him growing up. He had a huge impact on me. But now when I hear his music, I feel like, is everyone just going to ignore this? Is everyone just fine with this? So I feel really weird about that. It ju- I don't know if it has to do with, like, the crime in particular versus how great I think the art was in the past or if I'm just a complete hypocrite. But with I'm a hypocrite when it comes to Michael Jackson because I – I I don't deny that he's a scumbag, but I still 
I still have that connection to those. Like when I hear "Smooth Criminal," I thought I can't sit still. Yeah, it's I just like, can't. No, very few people can. And why would you? Like it was your whole childhood and like young adulthood of just being like, "This is the greatest." Can you believe this person lives and exists? Yeah. But then you have Prince, who didn't do any of those things, who wrote his own music, played his own instruments, mm -hmm. produced his own tracks. Just on that level is so much more fascinating and compelling. Yes. And that he didn't have any associations with children. Correct. Yeah. Bless his heart. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, but I'm like a huge fan. I've always been a huge fan of Beck. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm like, oh, is he how he's weird? not really in the church anymore. Is though. he? Is he's not? He yeah. doesn't talk about it. I don't. I think he left years ago, and he just doesn't want them to fuck with them. I think he's. He kind of just go like, ah, I don't talk about yeah. that. Or okay. Man, this is the most you get out of them. Jason Lee, people like that. Like, I don't want to talk about the church. I don't have much to do with it. That's about the most you get. There's, ne there's never like a slamming on them, because they all know there's some tapes somewhere of them saying some weird shit that the church is like, we have this on you, you know. We yeah. Release this. Have you seen the picture of uh, Travolta from like back in the '70s when he's like, you know, young Travolta holding the e-reader? Oh, I'm sure I have. Probably. Oh, just really, you didn't... <laughs> man. There's so many gay stories about him, and crazy that in this day and age he would feel any apprehension about coming out. Right. You're like, come on, man. Like, you could, you could say you were openly out and gay, and the church would go, We have evidence you had sex with men in the 70s. You'd be like, Yeah, I already mentioned that. Mm -hmm. And then we'd all go, Good for you, buddy. Yeah. You're, you're free. Right. Run. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, when I watch Tom Cruise, I feel bad about Surrey. I, and I feel like he's a psychopath. You hear so many stories, like, I, and this happens in L.A. People are like, I don't normally go to a restaurant like this, but I was having lunch, and Tom Cruise was there talking to like what looked like a network or an, a studio executive, and he's bigger than life, charming Tom Cruise, and they're both laughing, and Tom Cruise is so like demonstrative, and he's you know extravagant in the way that he moves his body. And she goes, and then I kind of stopped paying attention to him, and then later I'm waiting for my car at the valet, and I look over, and there's Tom Cruise waiting for his ride or his car or whatever. And it was like a robot that had just been shut down. He just was. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think like you learn those. Anyone that tells you a story about him will be like, he's the most engaging. He'll look you in the eyes and ask about you. He'll care about you and want to know things about you. And I think he's just, those are learned things. It's almost like, you know, when people have Asperger's or kind of spectrum stuff, they go, you got listen, here's a social cue. You not you might not feel it, but when people do this, this is what you do. Yes. So then they just learn it not as an instinctive reaction, but as like, oh right, in this situation, I'm supposed to do this. And I think that's what he's done. I think this is how you become a movie star. I'll do it. This is how you become this. They give him medals. You're the best ever. You're yeah, yeah. Baton number one. Uh -huh. You're good. And so I just see kind of a sad little guy that probably doesn't have close, meaningful <laughs> friendships. <laughs> he just abandoned his daughter. I don't know. Oh, I, I definitely feel bad for her. Uh, are you excited for the next Star Wars movie coming out in no, December? No, no. I got out. I think I hated Rogue One, and then I was like, enough of this. Yeah. No more Death Star shit. I don't care about. No more floating Princess Leia. Did you see that one? No. Fuck. They just lost. I just don't like when Because I, I went to Comic-Con, and you know when it used to be the comic book nerds would get picked on because the thing about them was... You know, in the movie, he's actually this, but in the books, it's the real thing. And they go, shut up, nerds. They made your movie, for God's sake. All you're going to do is complain about it. But then you go to Comic-Con and see how they've turned these little things that were like one-headed beasts to some people. A little thing you had to go find and share with your friends and go, no one knows about this. Read this thing. This is this person, and these are his powers. These are her powers, and this is what they do. And then, what's that? You guys all like this? And then they steal it, and they get the rights, and they build it into this giant mega structure. And then you go, it's actually right. Shut up. At least it happened. You're lucky to get it. 
so I feel bad for them. I feel like they were right. Like you took their thing and you just destroyed it. You stripped it away of anything that had any level of like, I don't know, like subversiveness or you know abstract elements to it. it just, you just turned it into like everyone will get this. It's big and it's bold and it's in your face. And so they did that. With, of course, Disney would with Star Wars. Just like, what won't these nerds buy? Can we just keep make? Can we make a thousand of them? Can we? How much money can we bilk out of them? Mm-hmm. And I, I think even my most like strident supporter fans are, you know, they're in their forties now. That are like, ah, I'm kind of bailing out, and that's so weird to see. Like, oh, that's what it took. It took ten movies for you to finally be like, all right, it kind of changed the whole universe. It bums me out a little bit. I don't. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm. I'm. Going to keep up with my tradition of going um, either the first day or the second day. Mm-hmm. I've I've groomed two young girls to be <laughs> semi interested in Star Wars movies. That's All right, I put work in. Damn it, <laughs> that's an accomplishment. I've already looked ahead to the when it comes out in uh, December, and they. Uh, I don't have to work anywhere else that night. I already know that I have the night free. I've already told my daughters we're going to be able to go opening night together. So. Cool. Th- for me, it's part of still having that. Is yeah. I have this thing that was around with my childhood. It's much like I just went and saw Weird Al again last week mm-hmm. at this Minnesota State Fair with my daughter. Second mm-hmm. time I've taken them to see Weird Al. Yeah. I saw Weird Al at the State Fair for the first time when I was in seventh grade. Yeah. Now my daughters are going into sixth and eighth, and they've seen him for the second time Cool. at the same freaking venue, <laughs> like, you know, year, decades apart. You will so not I love, love that stuff. <laughs> I... I have some friends that just went to saw went and saw Weird Al, and I think he did you know the Greek. It's like ten thousand seats. Oh, he and did thirteen thousand people here. Yeah. And I, every story. So it's the opposite of art and artist, where people love Weird Al, and rightfully so. He's a prince of a human. Everyone loves him. But also, if he were not, to my, I would posit that his art is not good enough to withstand even a casual groping allegation. Because people would go, oh, I didn't even read. <laughs> These are just parodies. How dare you even? How dare you, sir? <laughs> I'm sorry. But it does. If, imagine if a comedian was selling 13,000 seats, doing other people's bits in their same cadence with slightly different words. When we would never stand for it. <laughs> We're like, what, are you, what is this? But with the music, we go, that's great. It's the greatest thing ever. So I struggle with it because I love him. I think he's amazing as a person. Artistically, I have some misgivings. I apologize. I've I've, I've said uh, negative uh, things about uh, two uh, of your uh, hallmarks. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and you know what? I'm looking at the clock here, and we just—oh <laughs> my god—we are out of time. I uh... that happened to me. I know we we genuinely are out of yeah, time. Yeah, we are. For, but yeah. that happened to me at a radio station, and not the one I did today. But and I don't. Oh, you can badmouth them. That's fine. Okay, I did a radio station with like, and this isn't to be like oh, these. Ba-. These were genuinely the bands that were on the wall. It was like Three Doors Down and Creed and Nickelback and. Couple others, gold records they sent to this radio station. Yep. Thanks for the support. Yep. I go in and what comics did you like growing up? And I started to say like, you know, really everyone has these big people that you think influence you. But I remember the half hour comedy hour, so I like like Janine Garofalo and Dana Gould and Paula Poundstone and people like that. Margaret Cho even. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, "Did you like anyone funny?" And just kind of as a joke. And I go, "Well, I think you could subjectively make an argument that all of those people are funny." And then the other guy goes, as long as you didn't like Seth Rogen, as long as you don't like Seth Rogen or Adam Sandler. And I go, if you didn't think Adam Sandler's CDs were funny, if you didn't think the talking goat was funny or like Tollbooth Willie, we have such different comedic sensibilities that I don't I don't think we're and he genuinely goes, Oh, all right, folks, we're out of time here and like ushered me out. For Adam Sandler. For Adam Sandler, who I still love unabashedly. And yeah, that that really stuck with me. I was just like, oh fuck that guy. 
So anyway, I think it's hilarious that you would run me out of here after <laughs> Star Wars and Weird Al, but a perfect ending. <laughs> Thank you once again. Let's do this in uh, sooner than two years. Yeah, All I hope right? so. Come yeah, back. Thanks, and uh, people, yeah, obviously, come see the shows. You're working with uh, Brandy Brown, James Moore. Both very great, yeah. Great comedians. Uh, and you're and after the show, you're out in the, uh, in the lobby here? Yeah, I've got my comic books. I have DVD copies of One-Headed Beast, and I have some CDs. Uh, one of which was recorded right here in Acme. The first one I did with Dan Schlischel and Stand Up Records. That doesn't mean you're recording another one here. It That's just means true. that at one point you did. Yeah, but maybe your voice will be, if I do, you never know. It'll come out. <laughs> it would be, I'd love to see you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Boom. <laughs>